welcome to MedTech Insights Monthly Update on Digital Health. I'm Editor Reed Miller. With me today are our journalists Barnaby Pickering and Danielle Fruk, and Editor Marion Webb. Start with Barnaby. Now, Barnaby, earlier this month, you had a pretty interesting interview. What can you tell us about that? Yes, I did. I spoke to Elgar Fleisch, uh, Professor of Information and Technology Management at ETH Zurich and the University of St. Gallen. And he is also the author of The Digital Pill, which is a book discussing the impact and future of digital health. One thing that Fleisch really kind of argued was, is that digital health provides to patients what he described as determinism. Online platforms that allow patients to research their illnesses, discuss treatment options and search for clinical trials means that more than ever before, patients are on a level playing field with their healthcare providers. Well, that sounds great. What are the drawbacks of that? So it really depends on perspective. For patients, the only real drawback is data privacy. A willingness to share information means you're vulnerable to having it stolen and misused. However, Fleisch argued that compared to the benefits that can be gained, that is a relatively small drawback. For healthcare providers, Fleisch suggested that it could be much different. He pointed out that the current one-dimensional reimbursement system which rewards healthcare providers based on patient volumes will simply have to change as patients seek out alternative digital therapeutics. Digital therapeutics are, however, something he believes that will be critical in treating chronic conditions arising due to poor lifestyle choices, which are an ongoing cost for healthcare providers. So what's that going to mean going forward? The overall takeaway is digital health is here to stay. Most current digital health services, such as apps, have no clinical value and are instead for consumers to monitor general health parameters. Fleisch believes that this is changing and will continue to change, with digital therapeutics opening up the next frontier of medicine. Well, that's very interesting. Well, thanks, Barnaby. Now, over to you, Marian. Now, you just published the second part of your in-depth market intel series focused on the future of surgery. What can you tell us about that? Yes, thanks, Reid. So the first part actually highlighted some of the most innovative players in the remote monitoring and telehealth area, connecting surgeons doing live surgeries with medtech specialists or other surgeons or trainees. Now, for the second part, I've talked to companies that are developing immersive technologies such as augmented reality, virtual reality, and mixed reality. And I also spoke with two renowned surgeons that are using AR smart glasses to do surgeries in the operating room. All right. Can you just give us an overview of those companies that you talked to? Sure. So I spoke with Elon Zuckerman, who is the COO and president of Surgical Theater. That's a really interesting company founded by two Israeli Air Force officers with a background in flight simulation technologies. And they developed a suite of technologies that literally let surgeons fly through the brain and view an anatomical structures. I also spoke with UK-based Fundamental VR CEO Richard Vincent. The company developed an educational surgical platform that combines VR with haptics, and that enables surgeons and trainees to feel and touch tissue and organs like they would in a real surgery. And I spoke with some renowned surgeons that are using AR technologies. One of them is Dr. Stravros Elevrogianis, who was the first surgeon in Greece to use the newly FDA-cleared total knee replacement surgery solution from Pixie Medical. And he uses that software with Buzisic's M400 smart glasses. And he outlined some of the pros and cons of using the system. He definitely said it's not all paradise, but he sees a bright future ahead for augmented reality in surgery. And of course, there's a lot more in your in-depth market intel piece. So let's go to Danny. Danny, you covered some of the digital health regulatory news this past month through Medtech Insight. 
So there was some good news and some bad news, depending on which company is looking at it. So tell us what's going on. Thanks, Reed. Yeah, as you noted, there have been some interesting news in the past month that gives industry a clearer picture of what kinds of digital health products meet FDA muster. First, the good news, the FDA recently gave de novo authorization to Cognoa Canvas DX. It's a first-of-its-kind breakthrough software device to diagnose children as young as 18 months with autism. The hope is that the earlier a child is diagnosed, the earlier they can be treated and the better outcomes they will have later in life. The key takeaway is the device is used as a preliminary test, which then has to be verified by a clinician. Now for the bad news, the FDA recently also rejected an app on Verily Study Watch that could be used to develop new drugs for Parkinson's disease. The virtual motor exam function on the watch was proposed by the company for clinical outcomes assessment as a drug development tool, but the FDA said that the measurements it was taking weren't sufficient to understand the severity of someone's disease. I guess it's back to the drawing board for Verily. Thanks for that, Danny. Now, you also wrote about a new report from the FDA to the National Institute of Standards and Technology, known as NIST, about cybersecurity best practices. That's an area you've covered quite a bit. So what was that report about? Yeah, so some folks may remember that back in May, President Joe Biden signed an executive order requiring all federal agencies to develop new standards for cybersecurity best practices and standards. For its part, the FDA made recommendations in a report to NIST that could be used by the federal government when buying software. It could also even be used to develop consumer labeling guidelines. I won't go through the entire report, but one of the most noteworthy parts about it is that it focused significantly on requiring manufacturers and vendors to include a software bill of materials with the products they sell. According to the FDA, that could be a key document to help purchasers understand what software make up their product and how to handle cybersecurity attacks based on that information. Okay, well, thanks for that update. That's great information, and obviously that's a story that you're going to be following uh, for the foreseeable future. Now, you can read all about these topics and a lot more right now on MedTechInsight.com, including an overview of all of our stories on digital health topics in the last month. You can follow us on Twitter at MedTech underscore Insight. I'm at MedTech Read with two E's. Marion is at MedTech Marion, M-A-R. I-O-N. Danny is at MedTech underscore Danny and Barnaby is at MedTech Barney. We'll be back in July with another digital health roundup. Until then, have a great summer.